What's up, Football MD Podcast family? How we doing today? Thanks for joining us, as always, guys. We appreciate the support. Remember to go check out our website at footballmdpodcast.com. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at footballmdpod. And we also want to alert you guys of the release of our first Football MD Podcast official t-shirt. We will be donating some proceeds to breast cancer awareness as it is October and as our as our favorite NFL superstars and teams do the same we figured we'd do our part and partake in donating to a very good cause so remember guys go to our website and to our Instagram contact us for information about the shirts or to place an order those will be coming out very shortly and then for today all we really have for you guys is last week's breakdown we'll get right into it Mike will kick us off right at the top, so let's get going. What's going on, guys? The first game that we're going to be covering today is the Cincinnati Bengals beating the Falcons 37-36. to On the Bengals' side of the ball, Andy Dalton, he continued to look good. 337 yards, three touchdowns, just one interception. I think at this point, he's in that low-end quarterback one conversation every week. And I'm definitely not worried about his matchup this week against the Dolphins. As far as the run game goes, Bernard played well in Mixon's absence. 15 carries, 69 yards, two touchdowns, added another four receptions for 27 yards through the air. There's a chance that Joe Mixon returns this week. His status is still up in the air, so definitely something to keep an eye on. But if not, and you have Bernard on your team, you should have no worries firing him up again this week against the Miami Dolphins. And their passing game has been performing great as well. Tyler Boyd's breakout continues. He had 11 receptions for 100 yards in this game. With the injury to Tyler Eifert, you can really expect that opportunity to continue to be there for Boyd. And A.J. Green, he got another touchdown this week. Again, the passing game's just been playing really well. And I think the prime beneficiary of that is Andy Dalton. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Andy Dalton has had improved offensive line play this year, which is leading to production from his position. Now moving over to the Falcons side of the ball, Matt Ryan continues to be on fire, which he really needs to be with the struggles on the defensive side of the ball, but he looked amazing this week. 419 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Julio Jones led the team in targets with 12, led the team in receptions with nine, and led the team in yards with 173. 500 yards so far through four weeks, he is on pace for that 2K. Now that's not very likely, but he is on pace for it. Yeah, definitely a strong start to the season for Julio Jones, despite not having a touchdown just yet, but he's looked great. Mohamed Sanu, six receptions, 111 yards. Calvin Ridley, he balled out for the third week in a row, four receptions, 54 yards, two touchdowns. And he only played 54% of the snaps, but he's just been so good in that complimentary role. And I think that limited role will eventually lead to a few dud games for him, just when you're not on the field that often and maybe hard to produce in certain matchups. But I'm not sure how you could bench him at this point with the type of ceiling that he provides. He's extremely talented. The offense has looked great. The defense has been struggling, and he plays across from Julio Jones. And they play the Steelers this week and the Buccaneers next week. I'm not sure what else you'd be looking for in a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, obviously you would like to see the yardage or the reception total go up because he is just being very efficient with his touchdowns lately. But... That seems to be his role. He has been in on the majority of red zone snaps. He might only be playing 50% of snaps, but red zone snaps, he is on almost every single one of them. Everyone always talks about the big body red zone wide receiver. What about the little guy who could kind of get lost and squeeze in there? That seems to be what Ridley is making work for him. Not that he's little, 6'2", but he's, you know, right. he's, he's not, but he's not. Julio Jones, 6'4", you know what I mean? Your six, typical red zone threat. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But we'll move right on to the Bills versus the Packers, where the Packers dominated 22-0. On the Bills' side of the ball, they did not score. They were not moving the ball. So, yeah, obviously stay away from the Bills. Yeah, my only fantasy takeaways from this game, LaShawn McCoy, he failed to reach 30 rushing yards for the second time this season. So it's going to be very difficult to trust him going forward, although you just have to hold on to him. You're not going to get trade value for him. And there's probably not a better option on the waiver wire with someone as talented as McCoy. And then my other fantasy takeaway is just stream your defenses against the Bills. You can try and play their matchups week to week and probably be fine. I know I'm firing the Titans up in a few of my leagues this week. But to move over to the Packers side of the ball, Aaron Rodgers, bit of an underwhelming stat line, 298 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He did rush for 31 yards, which was nice. 
the big takeaway that I had from this game, Aaron Jones. He led the team in rushing with 11 carries for 65 yards and one touchdown. Jamal Williams matched his carry count, but took his opportunity for just 27 yards. I think Williams will continue to be involved, but Aaron Jones, he's clearly the more electric player, and I think he can be a running back too, probably for the rest of the season. I'm waiting to see how he does this week against the Lions, but I think that if you can't afford to bench him, Due to injuries and bye weeks, I don't think you should be concerned starting him in this lineup. We just saw Zeke go for 240 total yards against the Lions. They're the worst team in the league against the run. I think Aaron Jones could be a nice start this week if you are forced to start him. Yeah, in my opinion, just from watching the tape, I do think Aaron Jones is the most talented running back. He can run inside the tackles very well. And as you stated, Jamal Williams will not be phased out because of his pass protection abilities. And as far as the wide receivers go, go, obviously it was a little bit of a down week for Aaron Rodgers, but we're not pulling hope on them. Obviously, Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison, Devonta Adams, as they play, fire them up week in, week out. And just keep in mind, there is the chance this week that Randall Cobb is held out. Geronimo Allison, he's still in the concussion protocol. So in a deeper, especially PPR league, if you guys need a spot start, Valdez Scantling could be a sneaky play this week if you're looking for a wide receiver start. I think he's available in just about every league in the world. So maybe someone to keep your eye on there. But to move over to our next game, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers falling to the Chicago Bears 48-10. to Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course, Big storyline from this game was replaced by Jameis Winston halfway through the blowout, and Winston is officially the starter going forward. He came in and threw two interceptions, but he looked much better than people realized. He completed 16 of 20 passes and was really just doing anything that he could to try and get the Bucks back into the game. So I'm not too concerned with his two interceptions. I was really high on him in the preseason before the suspension, and I think he has top 12 potential going forward. And just looking at his upcoming matchups, he plays Atlanta, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Carolina, Washington, New York Giants, and the San Francisco 49ers. He has the New Orleans Saints and the Dallas Cowboys in the fantasy playoffs. That's an extremely fantasy-friendly schedule going forward from what we've seen so far from these defenses. So I think Winston, if he is available on any of your waiver wires, you should be signing him immediately. And then another player that made their way into the lineup this week, finally... Ronald Jones, he officially suited up, he touched the field, and he didn't impress. That offensive line is still really bad, but a starting running back, again, if he's someone that is available on your waiver wire, he's got to be added in all leagues if he's going to be getting that opportunity, especially if Jameis Winston is able to move the ball through the air and make defenses respect the passing game a little bit more. That could open up some lanes in the run game as well. Also, Ronald Jones was regarded coming out of college as an explosive type player, so he could be relevant in the passing game as well. But he did only log two carries and I think four total snaps last week. And dropped a horrible screen pass. So <laughs> so definitely, if you're rostering him, you're waiting on what could be potential upside. There is no guarantee there. Yeah, and this offense as a whole really looked bad this past week. Deshaun Jackson was the lone bright spot, catching five of his targets for 112 yards. And then you have O.J. Howard, who looks like he's going to be out two to four weeks with an MCL sprain. They are on bye this week, so it could be as little as one week. So I don't think you should be dropping him to the waiver wire just yet. Let's get some more clarity on his situation. But while he's gone, Cameron Braid is a borderline must-add for week six against the Falcons, especially if you've been streaming the position. He has rapport with Jameis Winston. He's caught 14 touchdown passes from him over the last two seasons, and he caught Winston's lone touchdown pass this past week. So Cameron Braid... He's been a tight end one over the last two seasons, and especially with O.J. Howard out of the lineup, he should definitely be started in most rosters after their bye week this week. But to jump over to the Bears' side of the ball, Mitchell Trubisky had an awesome day, completing 19 of 26 passes for 354 yards and six touchdowns. That was a franchise record. He also threw zero interceptions. Now, I'm not buying into this performance. Just about any NFL quarterback would have been able to take advantage of the lack of coverage that his wide receivers were seeing, but it was a nice, promising performance for the young quarterback. And the big takeaway here, just like streaming your defense against the Bills, stream your quarterbacks and your wide receivers against the Bucks going forward. Jordan Howard was certainly disappointing. 11 carries for just 25 yards. Tariq Cohen had 
two more carries than him with 13. He rushed for 53 yards and then added seven receptions for 121 yards and a touchdown. I think it's a little concerning to see Howard get less carries than Cohen, but I'm not panicking just yet. Matt Nagy said in the preseason that some games would favor Howard, some would favor Tariq Cohen, and I think the game script with no Anthony Miller just led to more opportunities for Cohen. They knew they could exploit Tampa through the air, and that's exactly what they did. As you commented on, I do feel that that had a lot to do with game script. Because they were vulnerable in the passing game, I am still fully confident in Jordan Howard. That is something I want to stress stress to you guys. I know it was a down week. It wasn't just the low carries. It was also the low snap count. He wasn't in on as many plays as he usually is week to week. If you watch the game, you would definitely have noticed it. Like my co-host said, I do believe that is just a game flow, game plan type week. I do not think that that would be the consistent. In the passing game, though, obviously with the six touchdowns, it seemed pretty much Anybody and everybody who you wanted to start got the job done. I just think from week to week, Trubisky is going to trust whoever is getting open, whoever has the best matchups that the defense gives them, and he'll be taking advantage of that with Nagy's assistance. So realistically, it does make the passing game very difficult, very difficult to trust in Chicago. Obviously, the running breakdown is also very risky right now it seems the only thing that can be relied on is that electric defense now moving on to our next game of the week we have the new england patriots beating the miami dolphins 38 to 7 at home and Kenyon drake he may be the biggest bust of the fantasy season up to this point he only had three carries for three yards and caught one of three targets for 13 yards through the air i'm not really sure why they're misusing him like this but you cannot trust him in your starting lineup at this point. And like LaShawn McCoy, he's someone that you just have to hold. The talent is definitely there, but it's unlikely that you'll get any value for him in a trade. And there's no one on the waiver wire that's going to provide as much upside at this point as Kenyon Drake. That's really my only takeaway from the Dolphins side of the ball. Of course, the Dolphins pass catchers, you really can't trust any of them in any given week. Dan, I think you said last week, you never know who it's going to be that goes off. You said one week it might be Kenny Stills, one week it might be Albert Wilson. And then one week, as we saw this past week, it might be none of them. So definitely not something that you can trust going forward. I will say, though, on that topic, Ryan Tannehill's production for the remainder of the season matches closer to what he has given you in the first three weeks as opposed to what he gave you last week. Don't forget that it was a divisional matchup in Foxborough. I know Tannehill historically plays well against the Patriots, but it just seemed like the Patriots really needed a win this week. They they really needed a win this week to stay at least 500. And don't forget, that was the Dolphins' first loss of the season. So keep an eye going forward when the Patriots travel to Miami. That should be a huge game. I believe off the top of my head, it's in week 14 or 15. And that could essentially be for the division if Miami keeps up its play right now. I know that sounds crazy. We always assume that the New England Patriots would be first in the division, first in the conference. But honestly, the Dolphins, if they continue to play the way that they are playing right now, then they can have a lot of success. It's just unfortunate for fantasy purposes that it's not really correlating to consistent fantasy production. And on the Patriots side of the ball, Tom Brady, he had a pretty mediocre day, 273 yards, three touchdowns was nice, but he threw for two interceptions. The run game is what really impressed me here. Sony Michelle, he showed why the Patriots spent a first round draft pick on him. He had 25 carries, 125 yards, and one touchdown. And going forward, I think his opportunity is just too good. I really don't care who you are when you're getting 25 carries for the New England Patriots. You're going to be a valuable fantasy asset. We said last week that this is the most clarity we've had from the Patriots backfield. It's just Sony Michelle and James White. So I think both of these guys are startable going forward. And speaking of James White, eight carries, 44 yards, and a touchdown. He also led the team in targets with 10, led the team in receptions with eight, and led the team in receiving yards with 68. He also caught a touchdown. He now has 22 receptions, 193 yards, and three touchdowns on the season. And that could slow down with Julian Edelman scheduled to return and Josh Gordon becoming more acclimated to the team. But I think he is certainly a great play tonight against the Indianapolis Colts, and certainly next week in what should be a high-scoring game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, my take from the New England Patriots side of the ball is, yes, it was nice to see Sony Michelle sh- show up finally. And then as far as the receiving production for James White, Julian Edelman obviously does return from his four-week suspension tonight against the Indianapolis Colts, and he will obviously warrant plenty targets and plenty receptions being there being Tom Brady's most trusted ally on that offense. He's so de- definitely, obviously, it was nice to see the 
production by the from the run game. I will say just going forward, don't expect over 20 carries. Don't expect two running backs to produce between 20 and 30 point production from fantasy week in and week out. It just so happened that it favored the, the game flow this week, but it won't happen each and every week, especially with Julian Edelman and Gronk having a down week last week is not going to happen every week as well. And just to touch on Rob Gronkowski real quick, he did leave the game early with an ankle injury. The game was a blowout, so it's likely that the team was just being cautious. But it is worth monitoring as they do play tonight against the Indianapolis Colts, so definitely make sure you're checking his status before you lock him into your lineups. But our next game, we have the Tennessee Titans beating the Philadelphia Eagles 26-23 to at home. Carson Wentz, he looked pretty good. 348 yards, two touchdowns, nothing blowing you away. But, you know, he's still coming back from his injury, and he's looked solid thus far. If you have Carson Wentz and, and there's not a solid streaming option on your waiver wire, I think you should be pretty comfortable starting him against a tough Minnesota Vikings defense. So quick question here. From your perspective, Carson Wentz next week against the Minnesota Vikings or Andy Dalton next week against Andy Dalton, the Miami Dolphins, right? Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton? Yes. If you have an option like Andy Dalton on your waiver wire, I think he's available in right around 52% of ESPN leagues. You should definitely be grabbing him. I think he's a nice start. But the Minnesota Vikings defense, we've seen them allow plenty of fantasy points to the quarterback position over the last two weeks. Jared Goff just tore them up. Josh Allen had a nice day against them two weeks ago. So Carson Wentz, I think he'll be fine in this matchup, especially with Alshon Jeffrey, who made his return to the lineup and made an immediate impact on that offense. Eight receptions, 105 yards, one touchdown on nine targets. And I said that I wouldn't start him his first week back just because of my philosophy of starting people when they're returning from injury. And that's usually the right call. I mean, look at what Doug Baldwin did this past week. Leonard Fournette got pulled from the game early, but he really did look great. He was winning jump balls, creating separation. And if you've waited for his return up to this point, you should be very happy because it looks like you have a high-end wide receiver two going forward on the season. And my only other takeaway from this game is if you have been relying on Jay Ajayi up to this point, just make sure you're monitoring his situation. He does still have that back injury, and it's not going to get better if he keeps on playing on it. He has injury concerns in the past. He's not known as the most durable running back, so definitely something to keep in mind going forward. On the other side of the ball for the Tennessee Titans, Marcus Mariota had a nice day. 30 of 43, 344 yards, two touchdowns. He did have a lone interception. He also led the team in rushing with 10 carries, 46 yards, and another touchdown. Obviously, we talked in the preseason about Marcus Mariota, the safety net floor that he offers you in the run game. Well, it showed up here in this game, comprised with a solid pa- passing production type of game. So definitely a good week for Marcus Mariota. And in this upcoming week, he does have the Bills. So I definitely, definitely keep an eye on him as a streaming option going forward. Corey Davis had a big, big day, 9 of 15, 161 yards, and a touchdown. That touchdown was to seal the victory in overtime. So not only was it a good day and he had a lot of production, but he stepped up big when his team needed to him to, and that goes very far with coaching, game planning going forward. It will make the coaches happy. It will make him get involved. Marcus Mariota will trust him more. That is good for team morale. For a team that sit, currently sits at 3-1, and one, with their one loss coming in Week 1 in an ugly, delayed game against the Miami Dolphins. So, throw that week out. They have been stellar. Unfortunately, the only part of this team disappointing right now is the that run game. Deion Lewis, four carries, zero yards on the ground. He was involved, as we expected, in the passing game with nine receptions and 66 yards. But, Derrick Henry, very little to no production every single week so far I gotta say it is about time I said I would not give up on Derrick Henry this year I was dead wrong I don't understand why he can't produce they're supposed to have a very good offensive line and it is surprising me that Derrick Henry has been pretty much abysmal agreed and Henry was somebody that I was pretty low on going into this season but what's funny is you're saying you're out on him and I actually think he might have a pretty decent week against the Buffalo Bills he has had two games with 18 carries so far this season, and I think the Titans can get ahead early in this game, especially with the emergence of Corey Davis. Taewon Taylor looking like he can be a very viable receiving option. So I think Derrick Henry could be in line for a good amount of work, and he's not someone that I'm starting this week, but I am expecting him to have 
potentially his best week of the season against the Buffalo Bills this week. Either look to pawn him off, or if you're in a keeper league, maybe stash him, but it doesn't seem that this is going to be the Derrick Henry year that I was projecting. So we'll move right on over to the Jets versus the Jaguars. The Jaguars winning 31-12. to Now again, just from the Jets' side of the ball, Quincy Anunua has been the only trustworthy option in fantasy, 4 of 8 for 66 yards. He does seem to have a nice rapport with Sam Darnold. And just with the Jets in general, we talked about it when after Sam Darnold's week one emergence. We said there was going to be up and down weeks with a rookie quarterback. Right now, it seems that there has been a lot more downs than ups since that week one start. But that is to be expected with a rookie quarterback. So... You know, nobody was expecting this offense to be top in the NFL. Nobody was expecting this team to be top in the NFL. But there was garnering a little bit of hope after week one. It's come down back down to earth. Again, they will have good weeks. Darnold is a good quarterback. I think he will be the future of their franchise. But the production for them is just not there. 167 yards and one touchdown for Sam Darnold is definitely not going to cut it. And there's really not much to talk about in the run game here. I think Powell is the guy you want if you're going to roster any of them. He had seven targets to Crowell's one, which gives him a fairly safe floor. And he also got eight carries to Crowell's eight this past week. So neither guy is someone that I'm really confident starting week in and week out. But Powell's the guy that you want, in my opinion, especially in PPR leagues. And as far as Robbie Anderson, another disappointment on the season, I'm holding out hope for him for another week. I don't think that Sam Darnold can just keep checking down to Quincy Inunua on just about every play. And the Broncos secondary really hasn't been too great so far this season. So I'm not starting Robbie Anderson, but I am waiting to see how he performs. And if he doesn't get it done this week, I think it's finally time, if you haven't already, to move on, look for another option. He, You can't keep burning a roster spot over this guy. But on the other side of the ball, for the Jaguars, obviously the disappointment is Leonard Fournette. He hasn't really played this season. He finally was supposed to play this game after a hamstring injury in week one. He obviously re-aggravated it and was immediately pulled from this game. And as a guy that you drafted in the first round or early second, if he fell, that's got to be very, very disappointing. Thankfully, Blake Bortles has been having a pretty decent season with 388 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and 28 uh, rushing yards. He has been pretty good. Now, as far as the wide receivers, again, it's another situation where I don't believe you can trust any one guy week in, week in and week out. As far as I'm concerned, the receiving options for the Jacksonville Jaguars, while they may not be week in, week out viable fantasy starters, they just raise Blake Bortles' baseline and make him someone that you can trust every week, especially this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he's one of the better starts. They're going to have to be throwing the ball to try and keep up with that Chiefs offense. And just to touch on Leonard Fournette again, this is the same hamstring injury that sidelined him in week one, kept him out of weeks two and three. He was pulled again in this game, as Dan mentioned, and it's likely that he'll miss extended time now, which is exactly why we were concerned with taking him in the first round. I think if you do have him on your roster, you should honestly be hoping that he is held out for an extended period of time, a few weeks, which I know it sucks that you're going to have to keep him on your bench, but you would rather have him come back and be healthy. I think if there is a possibility that you could package him together with another player on your team, you should definitely be trying to move him for another piece in return. Let someone else deal with that injury. Let someone else deal with the headache. The bright side here is hopefully you have TJ Yeldon, who totaled 100 yards from scrimmage in Fournette's absence and scored a rushing and receiving touchdown this past week. I think he's in the mid to high end running back two range every week as long as Leonard Fournette is out. Again, especially this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. But to move on to our next game, we have the Detroit Lions playing the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys took this one 26-24, and Matthew Stafford played pretty well, completing 24 of 30, 307 yards, two touchdowns. Of course, there's plenty to go around for all three wide receivers to continue being viable fantasy starters. They have a favorable matchup this week against the Green Bay Packers. I think you're going to be starting every single one of them. And on Johnson, he is the clear-cut best running back on this team. You can see it in the stat line now, and you can definitely see it in the game film. He had nine carries this past week for 55 yards and a touchdown. He now has 25 carries for 156 yards over the last two weeks. I'm honestly tired of seeing LeGarrette Blunt on the field. He's boring to watch. He doesn't bring very much to this offense at all. I think Kerryon Johnson is being underutilized. 
And I have to expect that to change with the way we've seen this guy play so far. I know. I don't have to tell you that. You've known from the beginning of the season that I am. I have been pounding the table for on Johnson as a top-tier running back in this NFL. He has all the skill, all the ability that you want in an NFL running back. He has the size to be a three-down back. He can pass protect. He can run. He can catch. He's electric He with the ball in his hands. He's good in open space. He can run you over. He can literally do everything. He is a good all-purpose back. Now, am I saying he's the best running back in the NFL? Absolutely not. That goes to Saquon Barkley, in my opinion. But we'll talk about that way later. But even still, Kerryon Johnson is very, very talented, and he should be used every single down. There's no reason to take him off the field. He's being productive now that he's getting the opportunity. Obviously, it's not in the best interest of for fantasy production, but for the Detroit Lions, more of your offense needs to run through that, runs through the run game and Kerryon Johnson. If you do that, you would not be sitting with one win this season at the bottom of a division that seems now impossible to get out of with only one win. And on the Cowboys' side of the ball, really the only takeaway here is Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm not going to tell you guys that Ezekiel Elliott is good. You guys already know that. 25 carries, 152 yards. He also led the team, though, with 88 receiving yards on four receptions. He caught a touchdown through the air. And he's currently on pace for 60 receptions this year after totaling just 58 receptions in his first two seasons. I know that was one of the knocks against him for having him behind guys like Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Todd Gurley. But he is the only viable pass-catching option on that team right now. So it looks like that receiving work is going to continue to be there for him. So definitely nice to see for Ezekiel Elliott. Now our next game of the week, we have an AFC South matchup. The Houston Texans beating the Indianapolis Colts 37-34. to Deshaun Watson had a nice day, 375 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, adding another 41 yards and a touchdown on the ground. But he did get sacked seven times in this game. That puts his season total at 17 sacks. Again, there's a concern that I had about him going into the season. I'm worried that he's going to struggle to even make it through the season with that porous offensive line. Lamar Miller, he had 15 carries for just 49 yards and wasn't involved in the passing game at all in what was a very favorable matchup. This is the second time this season that he was held beneath 10 fantasy points. I said it last week. Dan said it on Saturday. Miller may be losing his job sooner than later, especially with Deonta Foreman returning from injury. And in the receiving game, guys, you know all about DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller's ridiculous touchdown streak with Deshaun Watson. But we don't have to talk about that. That has been consistent week in and week out. What I do want to highlight is Kiki Kute, the rookie out of Texas Tech. He had a strong debut, 15 targets with 11 receptions and 109 yards. The only hesitation that I have about this stat line is before Fuller left the game, he was not as involved. Obviously, after he left, he was very involved and very productive, which just makes me a a little nervous that maybe some of those targets, receptions, would not be going to Kiki week in and week out. So definitely not somebody that I would throw right into your lineup, but definitely worth a waiver ad or a bench spot to stash going forward. If one of those guys were to get hurt, he would be immediately elevated. And in a week or two, if he's had a couple of productive games with Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup, then I would say going forward, maybe get him into your roster, but just not yet. Somebody keep an eye on, but just don't throw him into your roster just yet. And Fuller is dealing with a hamstring injury, so just something to keep your eye on there. I think if he does miss time, I mean, Kiki got 15 targets this past week. So if Fuller does miss time, he becomes much more appealing to throw into your starting lineups. But on the Colts side of the ball, Andrew Luck, 62 pass attempts this past week. 464 yards, 4 touchdowns, 0 interceptions. Andrew Luck's now thrown 186 times through the first 4 games of the season. He's on pace for over 700 pass attempts. I'm not sure if that's the best thing. For his shoulder but they've obviously struggled to get anything going through the run game so he's really been left with no choice there i think they know he's done and they're just burning out that shoulder <laughs> they're just taking whatever's <laughs> left out of it <laughs> they're just riding until the shoulder falls off <clears throat> yeah pretty much and for the receiving options for the indianapolis colts just keep in mind ty hill and jack doyle they are going to be out tonight against the new england patriots so i think ryan grant becomes an appealing flex start if you need to plug somebody in eric ebron becomes a very solid start at the tight end position and naeem hines 
He was the most productive running back due to his work in the passing game this past week. He caught 9 of 11 targets for 63 yards and 2 touchdowns. Really, any running back getting 11 targets is definitely worth rostering and probably worth starting in PPR leagues. And I think he'll be a solid start tonight against the Patriots. The Colts offensive line is crumbling without their two starting tackles. They have a lack of pass-catching options, as I mentioned. So, Naeem Hines, I think you can expect mid-tier running back two production from him tonight. Moving on to our next game, the Browns versus the Raiders. A nail-biting finish in overtime, 45-42, Raiders winning. Now, it wasn't a great week for, you know, my, my guy, Baker Mayfield. He didn't look spectacular, but as I said with Darnold, as I will say about all rookie quarterbacks, there will be growing pains. There will be ups. There will be downs. 295 yards, two touchdowns. Unfortunately, though, four turnovers with two interceptions and two fumbles. Now, one of the fumbles was on a center exchange. And in my opinion, if you watch the tape, it was the center's fault. Baker Mayfield was clearly killing a play, making an audible. He was not under center and the center snapped it anyway. Whether that might be so that is, in my opinion, on the center. You got to know what's going on in the offense, when it's going on. At the same time, obviously just a camaraderie thing. A rookie mistake, nonetheless. In the running game, Carlos Hyde continues to be very good. 22 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown. But the guy I want to talk about is Nick Chubb. The guy that I've loved in the preseason. A guy that I've been super high on. 105 yards and two touchdowns on just three carries. Now, that's ridiculous. He had a, a very long, long touchdown. I think it was 60 yards. And that is not something that you can rely on week in and week out. But I do think it shows how productive he can be and the type of running back he can be. I did say that I think he is the, a very talented runner. And I think he's showing that in his limited opportunity and high production. But you can't throw him into your fantasy lineup with three carries. You know, it's not going to go three carries, two touchdowns every single week. That's not going to happen. But I do think he should get a little bit more involved going forward. He is pro football focus, number one most elusive running back. He just does very well to create the opportunity in front of him separate from the blocking that he has. So just somebody to keep an eye on going forward. Right, of course you're not going to be starting him into your lineup, but he should be added in all leagues, especially if you have Carlos Hyde. We know Hyde has a history of struggling to finish the season, so if anything were to happen to Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb steps into an awesome opportunity there. On the Raiders' side of the ball, Derek Carr had a blow-up day, 437 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, and I'm still not ready to trust him after one strong game. He had 58 pass attempts this week. That's not always going to happen. But he does face a depleted Chargers defense in week five. So I think he could be a nice streaming option this week. And it was really just a nice day for all of the offensive weapons on the Oakland Raiders. Marshawn Lynch was a bell cow running back. 20 carries, 130 yards, three receptions for 27 yards. Lynch continues to be a solid option in the run game. And from the receiving side of the ball, Amari Cooper has alternated good and bad games this season. He definitely had a good one this week. 12 targets, 8 receptions, 128 yards, 1 touchdown. And he's still just super volatile for fantasy production. I really don't know when you can feel 100% confident about sliding him into your lineup. We know he has that monster week potential, but we know that he has that bust potential as well. I'd personally rather have him blow up on my bench than slide him into my lineup and get me two points. Well, there we're going to disagree. Just because I know where you guys drafted him. You drafted him in the first five rounds, right? So... He's got got to be a guy that, you know, you put a lot of draft capital into. And he is the number one wide receiver, in my opinion. Like, they're they're game planning to get him the ball. When I watch the, watch the film on Oakland, they want him involved. So, to me, that warrants being in your, in your roster. Yes, he's going to have down weeks. Believe it or not, every player has down weeks. You know what I'm saying? Antonio Brown hasn't been perfect this year. You know what I'm saying? We know Julio to disappear for 40 yards. It's going to happen. But... Happens to Amari Cooper a lot, though. But Amari Cooper, you know, I, right now, as far as I'm seeing it, he's he's garnering good opportunity. Maybe sit him in bad matchups, but I would be recommending for him to be in your roster. Again, what are your other options that are so much better than Amari Cooper? I, I don't think I'd be stunned if your entire team is that deep. Of course, and I'm not saying drop Amari Cooper to go pick up Taewon Taylor, but there were 99 pass attempts in the Raiders game this past week. From both sides of the ball, of course, not just from Derek Carr. But I think in a game like that, any wide receiver with his talent will be able to have a nice blow-up game. For me personally, 
I just think if you can sell him high after this performance and get some value back for a more consistent fantasy option, that's definitely the move. But Jared Cook, he was the real star in the passing game. Eight receptions on 13 targets, 110 yards, two touchdowns. And the Browns, they literally left him wide open in overtime. So that's where a lot of his production came from. Again, when there's 99 pass attempts in a game, I think the Raiders ran 90 total plays. So just tons of offense, tons of production to go around for these options. Moving on to the Seahawks and the Cardinals. The Seahawks win 20-17. to Russell Wilson, 172 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Obviously a down week for Russell Wilson. If you drafted him, you drafted him as a you know top five quarterback option, and that's not the production you're getting right now. It is has been a little disappointing this season. But in the passing game, Doug Baldwin returns for five receptions for 41 yards. You know, I do think coming off that injury, he's going to be kind of eased back into the offense, but a good week nonetheless for his first week back. And in the run game, nobody that you can trust. Rashad Penny's nine carries, 49 yards, was behind Mike Davis, 21 carries, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. I just, I don't understand why they spent such a high draft pick on Rashad Penny and they're starting Chris Carson and Mike Davis over them. But Mike Davis nonetheless did have a very, very good week. No arguments there. Moving over to the Cardinals side of the ball. Josh Rosen, he didn't blow you away, but it was definitely a step in the right direction. The Cardinals, in the first three weeks of the season, scored a total of 20 points, and they put up 17 this week. So that's definitely nice to see. Still not a huge point total, but better than they have been performing. And David Johnson, he finally got things going. 22 carries, 71 yards, and one touchdown. Caught three or four targets for 41 yards. If you wanted to sell him high after this game, I do understand that. If you don't trust him going forward, I personally would be holding him. I don't think either of us had any doubts about the talent of David Johnson. It was just his usage and the way that that offense was going. So I'm going to continue holding out hope for DJ. And Larry Fitzgerald, he led the team in seven targets, but he only caught three for 28 yards. He had three uncharacteristic drops. One could have been a touchdown. And even with the improvements that I was speaking on to the offense, you still can't trust him going forward just yet. Quarterback play is still fairly mediocre. So keep him on your bench this week, even in what seems to be a decent matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. But this is another guy. I'm not dropping him. The talent is still there. You're not going to get a better option or someone who can step into the type of opportunity that I'm projecting for Larry Fitzgerald for the rest of the season. So again, this is another guy that you're just going to be holding on to for the time being. Now moving on to our next game, we have the San Francisco 49ers falling to the LA Chargers 29 to 27. CJ Beathard, he didn't look great by any means, but definitely better than expected. 298 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. And George Kittle, he remains a tight end one, even with Jimmy Garoppolo out of the lineup. He caught six of eight targets, 125 yards, one touchdown. He gets a much more favorable matchup this week against the Arizona Cardinals. So I think you can continue locking him into your lineup. And the only other option on this offense that I trust at this point is running back Matt Breda. Nine carries, 39 yards, three receptions for 32 yards. Not a huge day, but he did have his highest snap count percentage of the season, and he's still averaging 7.8 yards per touch. So I'm not too worried about him going forward, even with C.J. Beathard behind center. And Marquise Goodwin, he was barely involved, left the game with a leg injury. He's clearly a talented wide receiver, but I dropped him in every league that I owned him in. The injury issues and inconsistent play, that's just not something that I want to deal with week in and week out. I'll let someone else deal with the headache of when that you can trust to start him. No, you nailed it. There's only two guys in that offense that you should be trusting right now, and that is Bryda and Kittle. Those are the only two guys I'd be riding with. On the other side of the ball, though, Phillip Rivers and the Chargers continue to be good on offense. 250 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception for Phillip Rivers. Melvin Gordon continues his very strong season, 15 carries, 104 yards, send of seven receptions on 10 targets for 55 yards and a touchdown. And even Eckler has been pretty good, 56 yards from scrimmage and one touchdown. Obviously not somebody that you would want to rely on, but definitely should be rostered. And don't be shy on a bye week or a streaming week or due to injury, putting Austin Eckler into your lineup. There's plenty of offense to go around on this team. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both producing 7 of 10, 10 Keenan Allen with just with 63 yards. Obviously, as a wide receiver one, you don't really – that's not a great stat line, but that's a fair base for a down week. You know, In a PPR format, you're still getting 13 points from one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. 
And obviously, it was a down week for Mike Williams, one of three targets for 15 yards. But he's still very talented, and I do think the touchdowns will t- continue to flow for him. Just a down week for Mike Williams this week. Not something that I'd be really afraid of. Yeah, Williams definitely showed us how low his floor is, but someone that I'm still pretty high on rest of season. Moving on to our next game, we had the New Orleans Saints putting up 33 points to the New York Giants 18. And Drew Brees, he just didn't have to pick up the slack for the defense in this matchup. He threw 217 yards, zero touchdowns on 32 attempts. Definitely a fairly disappointing week, but that's just the way that game script played out for him. And it affected Michael Thomas as well. He was hurt by the lack of need to rely on the passing game. He did catch all four of his targets for 47 yards, and he's now caught 42 of 44 targets on the season. So really no one more consistent than Michael Thomas. He's still my wide receiver one on the season going forward. And Alvin Kamara, I don't know what else to say about this guy. He continues to be amazing. Mark Ingram is returning this week, so I'm expecting a slight decline in his rushing totals. He's currently averaging 14 carries per game compared to just seven and a half last season, but he's still going to be a top five option every week in my opinion, so no worries there. And if you have been rostering Mark Ingram, I think he's going to slide into a similar role that he had last year. Kamara has been great, but Ingram brings another aspect to that offense on the ground that Kamara just doesn't. I I think Kamara is much more effective through the passing game, and that's the way they really want to utilize him. And as we know from the past from past seasons, any offense with Drew Brees has plenty of offensive production to go around. On the other side of the ball, the Giants falling at home, Eli Manning, 255 yards and a touchdown, has just not been doing enough in the passing game. He really isn't pushing the ball downfield. And you see that with Barkley, who has more receptions than anybody on the team, if I'm not mistaken. Likewise, you see it in Sterling Shepard and Odell Beckham Jr. Their production for the season hasn't been great. OBJ, last Week 7 of 11, 60 yards, and no touchdown on the season. Hasn't been as stellar as you would expect him to be. And overall, just the offense hasn't been as good as you would expect. The only bright spot, in my opinion, is Saquon Barkley, who remains involved in what's not too good of a run game, but he's also involved in the passing game as well, so he's just getting a ton of opportunity. And as far as I'm concerned, his skill set, I said it earlier real quick, I do think, talent-wise, he could be the number the number one running back in the game. When I watch him, I'm so impressed with his ability to make the first man miss, run people over, catch. Like He's athletic, strong. He literally brings everything you want to the table. It's just unfortunate the situation with not a good offensive line, not a productive offense right now, not much help around him. I do think Saquon Barkley is a premier running back in the NFL. Just unfortunate that the Giants are not sustaining any type of real success or production for him. Now moving over to our next game review of the week, we have the Baltimore Ravens beating the Pittsburgh Steelers 26-14. to Joe Flacco continued to play well, 363 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. And John Brown, he is clearly Flacco's favorite target. Three receptions, 116 yards, one touchdown. I know the huge reception totals hasn't really been there week in and week out, but He's number two in the NFL in air yards behind only Julio Jones. He's an every week starter at this point. We've known that the talent was there throughout his career. It's always just been injury issues and he's healthy. He's getting the opportunity. So he should be added in all leagues and started on most rosters as well. As for the Ravens run game, Alex Collins, man, I've been holding out hope, but he really doesn't look like a starting caliber running back right now. He did have 11 carries for 44 yards and a receiving touchdown that saved his day for fantasy, but he's splitting his workload with Javarius Allen and constant fumbles are definitely not helping his cause. I wouldn't be surprised if when Kenneth Dixon returns in a few weeks, he starts gunning for that starting role. So Alex Collins, if you have him now, you probably drafted him pretty high. You probably have to start him, but I would be looking for another option going forward because there's going to be weeks where I don't know if you'll be able to trust him. On the other side of the ball, though, it was not a great day for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, the Ravens are a top-tier defense. I believe they are actually ranked number one in total defense right now. Obviously, a tough matchup, but you expect a lot of production from the the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously a disappointment this year, this week. James Conner, obviously he's been very good in Le'Veon Bell's absence. Not so much this past week. He did have a down week, but he has been good in the, in Le'Veon Bell's absence, which is obviously expected to end after their bye week in week seven. Now, whether they start Le'Veon Bell immediately or how they split Conner and Bell is 
yet to be seen. So not somebody that I would have complete pause or panic over, but definitely somebody you would you should consider selling. If there is somebody in your league who is in a do or die situation and needs wins now, sell them. James Conner, who could be very productive within the next two weeks. Obviously, he's got a great matchup this upcoming week against the Atlanta Falcons. Their defense is non-existent. And maybe you can get some good value in return before he possibly goes down to the bench and has no value. Now, I don't know if that's actually the way it actually happens. I think in Pittsburgh, he might retain some value. I don't know how everybody feels about Le'Veon Bell coming back so late in the season or if everything's just going to be slept on, swept on the rug and Le'Veon Bell is going to be a premier running back in the NFL, obviously just monitor it. Keep an eye on it going forward. Yeah, especially keep an eye out for if the Le'Veon Bell owner in your league does have a losing record and has to pull some wins out, they may be more inclined to take James Conner, especially just for the added safety net going forward. But Conner has come back down to earth in recent weeks, and it really just makes it tough to get the run game going when the Steelers' defense makes it difficult for them to gain or maintain a lead. Although Connor has been involved in the passing game, five receptions in each of the first three games, three receptions this past week, but just 3.7 yards per carry, 1.7 yards after contact. He's still super involved. He should be a running back one for the time being, but I think we've just seen he isn't Le'Veon Bell. That's what it really comes down to. Now moving on to our final game of the week. We have the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Denver Broncos 27-23. Patrick Mahomes, there's... Not really enough good things you can say about this guy at this point. He continues to do it. The Broncos were able to get pressure on him, and he just continued to impress. 304 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Not his best day of the season, but of course he's playing the Broncos defense, the best defense that he's seen all year. He added a rushing touchdown as well, which is something that we haven't really seen yet. But he did have 22 rushing touchdowns over his last two seasons at Texas Tech. So there may be a whole other aspect to this guy's game that we really haven't gotten to see just yet. So that's definitely exciting. And for you Kareem Hunt owners out there, you definitely got a breath of fresh air this week. Seeing him rush for 121 yards, one touchdown, adding another three receptions for 54 yards through the air. And I just liked how they were using Kareem Hunt as a running back when they got near the goal line. They've been doing a lot of jet sweeps, shovel passes, and... This week, they really just ran the ball with Kareem Hunt. That's something that I've been looking for all season with him. And my final takeaway from the Kansas City Chiefs, just a little note to put out there. Sammy Watkins did leave the game with a knee injury. Not that you were probably relying on him in your lineup, but something to keep an eye on. He was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. So if he is forced to miss time, I don't think there's anyone worth adding in his absence. Yeah, just a comment real quick on Patrick Mahomes. Did you see the left-handed first down pass? Dude, it's just clutch. He just makes plays, dude. He makes plays. It's really great. And honestly, it's fun to watch right now. Yeah, I held out for as long as I could. But, I mean, if I was drafting today, I think the only quarterback that I would take over him, you have Aaron Rodgers, maybe Cam Newton, maybe Tom Brady. Other than that... I don't yeah. think there's anyone else I would take over Patrick Mahomes. Nah, he's got to be. He, he, he should probably be number one this year from, from a fantasy standpoint, no doubt. On the other side of the ball for the Broncos, obviously the big the big focus is on the running backs and how that breaks down. So this week, Lindsey, 40% of snaps taken. That dominated the backfield by a decent margin. Freeman had 26% and Booker surprisingly had 33%. Had more snap count than Royce Freeman. Although Freeman has been productive and he was good in this game, it just seems that he is getting a little bit less opportunity than we might have expected. Obviously, he was expected to be a three-down type of back, and it's just not happening, mainly because Lindsey has been so great. And I think Lindsey is just a good story for them. I don't know if you know Lindsey's story, but he was born and raised in the Denver area. He is a lifelong Broncos fan. He pretty much walked onto the team. He wasn't drafted, and when... All 32 teams did call. He wanted to go one place and one place only, and that's his favorite team, the Denver Broncos. He asked Terrell Davis if he could wear his number, and he's been putting on for that squad. He has been doing really well. So in all honesty, you can probably trust both of them because they both have been really good, and they are garnering enough each. But Lindsey has been the better of the two. This backfield is so annoying to me. Philip Lindsay, yes, he's been great. He needs to be on the field. But Devonta Booker, 
He has not done anything with his opportunity. Royce Freeman averaged 8.4 yards per carry this past week. He now has a touchdown in three straight games. This guy needs to be more involved. I'm not sure what Vance Joseph is doing over there. I'm not sure what his game plan here is, having Booker on the field for so many snaps. But I think Freeman is just the type of player gets better as the game goes on. I think if you gave him 20 carries instead of eight, like he saw this past week, he could really wear down defenses, and that's when you would get the most production out of him. I think Lindsey, like I said, he needs to be involved. He's so electric. But I think Royce Freeman should be getting the most touches on this team. Lindsey is explosive enough that I think if he had less touches, he'd still be able to make the most of that opportunity. Whereas you can use Royce Freeman as that grinder in those tough yardage situations. And I think that's where you would get the most of him. Of course, I'm not an NFL coach, but that's just my take on the situation. No, you're not wrong. Like It's suspect, no doubt. Everybody knows Booker hasn't been productive. I do know that he is pretty good in pass protection from time to time and that obviously we say has value and will get you on the field but Freeman and Lindsay has haven't been bad in pass protection but they've been so good I don't understand why Booker remains so heavily involved and honestly in the passing game Emmanuel Sanders has been good but Demarius Thomas has been a huge disappointment this season he honestly in my opinion had a ball that he should have caught most people would have said that Case Keenum overthrew him In all honesty, I think Case Keenum put the ball where it needed to be, which was closer to the end zone. Demarius Thomas, if you're a number one wide receiver in the NFL, if you're a top-tier wide receiver in the NFL, you need to go and make that play. Now, don't get me wrong, Keenum has been playing with guys guys last year like Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, who, in my opinion, give maximum effort. They would have been diving for the ball. They would have been going to get that play. Diggs, obviously, an elite athlete, would have caught up to that ball. So maybe, you know, just a little bit off on the camaraderie or the timing, whatever. But I did think that that was a catchable ball for Demarius Thomas. It was right outside his fingertips. You need to get on the horse there and, you know, make that play. And it just speaks to his season. He hasn't been productive, and he doesn't look like he's the wide receiver that we've known him to be in previous years. Definitely worrisome, but I do think there is hope for Demarius Thomas. He's been on the field for 85% of pass plays. That's enough opportunity for a wide receiver of his talent to put up at least wide receiver three numbers, in my opinion. And let's remember, the Broncos haven't scored a passing touchdown since week one. So they definitely need to figure something out through the air. And I think if they're going to do that, Demarius Thomas is going to have to be a big part of that. The only, th- the only other thing I have to say before we let you guys go here is jumping back to the Chiefs side of the ball. They are playing the Jags defense this week. I know a lot of people may be worried about that matchup. The Jacksonville Jaguars have only allowed four touchdowns this season. So you're obviously going to be downgrading the Kansas City Chiefs offense a little bit here. But I would still be starting Patrick Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, and Tyreek Hill in this matchup. I'm not going to shy away from it. They've been too good to move to your bench. So keep firing up with those guys in week five against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But that's all that we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, make sure you're heading over to footballmdpodcast.com to keep up with all of the awesome content that we're putting out for you guys there. Make sure you're following us at footballmdpod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We have, again, tons of content going up on those social media platforms every single day and our breast cancer awareness shirts are coming out within the next week so make sure that you guys if you would like to rep the podcast and support a great cause make sure that you're heading over sending us a message on social media we'll reserve you your shirt and we'll get that to you as soon as possible thank you guys and have a great week